This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to this Saxo Market Call on Wednesday, the 9th of August 2023. And um, well, let's get right into it because uh, we um, we had a big call in the team yesterday or our chief investment officer had a big call, uh, you, which you can see on slide two in today's slide deck. Uh, Sting Jacobson saying that, you know, the coming of stagflation light, um, we can always play with the different words and the scenarios, but the, 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 you know, the short version is that we have a productivity issue in the world. And the last time we had a productivity issue in the world where employment is growing faster than real GDP was back in, in the 1970s. And there are a lot of reasons for why, you know, cheap production costs are not coming back. It was a very great article in the Financial Times about how manufacturers in, in various Asian countries have very much difficulties getting young people to work at these factories. So they, the world is running out of cheap labor, at least in Asia. And that is, has been the most consistent and most productive workforce that we have seen in, in many decades. And if that's drying up for that type of uh, production, the age of cheap goods is probably over. And with a sustain, and that has been our call in, at you know in the Saxo strategy team for, for for now many years that we we have entered a higher inflationary regime than we will not go back to the old inflationary regime regime for a lot of reasons that we have covered multiple times in this podcast. I won't repeat myself too much, but um, here on slide two you can see the the uh, we've put in here the um, the headline. You can see the the short summary of it. Um, so. So what is a stagflation? Well, stagflation is a period where inflation is higher than it was in the previous period and real GDP growth is lower than it was in the previous period. So the a very ugly combination that is. And um, it was always discussed a, a year ago. So the economist had a big piece a year ago what he said, what is stagflation and might it uh, and might it make a comeback? Question mark. That whole discussion faded away, as you also said, Ole. I mean, we... Um, we came crashing into the end of the year because of that in, uh, interest rate shock. Technology stocks were very much burning, uh, burning down to the ground. Um, everything was just mayhem. Everyone was betting on a recession when we were rolling over into the 2023 uh, around the new year. But the whole AI hype and the economy actually making making us stronger sort of got this whole discussion about stagflation, which is essentially a structural long-term, uh, you know, hypothesis or thesis or an expectations for what to expect over the long term. So, um, but uh, Steen Jacobson here is putting that conversation back into the limelight. And I will, I'll, I'll do in a very short time, I'll do a follow-up piece where I'll look at equities and what does a stagflation or environment actually mean for equities? Where do we want to be positioned in terms of geography? Where do you want to be positioned in terms of the different sectors? But let's get down to earth, uh, all here a little bit, um, Slide three, the S&P 500 futures, it's not only in equities, I think it's across the market, also in your space with commodity futures, everything, everyone is just basically in a wait and see mode. Everyone is waiting for tomorrow's US uh, CPI report. Um, and um, it's going to be quite an interesting one because everyone um, is looking for inflation to continue to ease. And if you look at the expectations for the core CPI, so when you exclude energy and food, they're looking for a 0.2% month-on-month gain. So that's annualized core inflation at 2.5%. I very much look, and you can see that on slide five, I'm very much looking still at the U.S. services uh, inflation, excluding energy that uh, was running at 5.4% uh, annualized as of uh, as of last month. So, um, so this is very much important for me to look at still, and that is something we're going to, to watch. 
Also, just very quickly on the Saxo equity themes basket overview. It's back on the slide deck, and you can see it on slide three. I've put in the one-week performance. You can see the worst performing themes have been energy storage gaming, new biotechnology stocks, and bubble stocks all being hit last week from that dent to sentiment that we had, and actually poor earnings, I would say, related to AI. But that's something I'll be delving into next week. I'll be looking at some of these AI-related stocks and how bad it's actually looking uh, in terms of realized growth rate versus those expectations. And look at defense. Defense is still doing very strong. One of the strongest themes this year, the war in Ukraine and and, and the struggles for the Ukrainian people is still uh, still putting up a very strong bid for defense stocks, especially the European defense sector is still looking very strong. And then Ole, it's a very long intro for me. I'm talking, feel like I'm talking to myself. It's very boring. But uh, <laughs> I, before <laughs> before you take over on, on, on commodities, because <clears throat> I always like listening to commodities, it's really about the real world, I think. I just want to highlight on slide four that the end of easy money era is very beautifully pictured in in this one uh, chart here. So what we're looking at here is the WeWork 2025 bond. There was news out yesterday. So if you remember back, WeWork was this very much hyped company by this very iconic uh, founder of the company. It was uh, supposed to have been one of the biggest IPOs in in, in recent memory uh, by SoftBank, etc. It was a catastrophe. It ended with uh, with no IPO, and then now it has been IPO'd. Uh, via uh, uh, you know a SPAC, a reverse IPO as it's called, um, and yesterday they, the company said that there there are substantial doubts whether the, this company is actually going concern. And you can see from this bond, it's trading at thirty four cents on the dollar last uh, as of last uh, yesterday's um, closing print. So um, I think this is a company that very beautifully shows what is possible when we have uh, very easy money. You can build a vast real estate portfolio in no time. You can sell a service uh, that is not profitable for a very long time. Investors will continue to prop up the company, but as soon as you lift the real cost of capital, this is not a viable business model, and and, and this is really showing some cracks. But Ole, not more talk for me now. Yeah, we need to talk about commodities, and um, I guess you want to slide uh, start on, on slide six. Yeah, but, but before that, just uh, rolling back to your stagflation, and uh, obviously we know that we're very early on this uh, this call, and uh, but it will have some uh, major impacts on on markets if if that's uh, the if that becomes a general focus uh, in the market, uh, not only in equities and equity sectors and countries, but also in the commodity space, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously a market that springs to mind there is something like gold, which would. Would and investment metals in general would benefit uh, together with energy <coughs> from a from a situation uh, like that. So so it's one we're watching very closely. But uh, looking at ETFs, I just highlighted the. Um, I went into the helicopter just took a look at the uh, the ETF flows uh, during the uh, during the recent few weeks. It's obviously into a summer period, so uh, it's generally a time where not a lot of investment decisions are being made. But nevertheless, uh, what we have seen in in the last month here in terms of uh, flows, so you can see that the, the, it it is the broad exposure that has uh, gained the uh, gained some uh, interest. Uh, you can see that through through both the usage and uh, also the non usage. But uh, the, the usage eligible ETFs, uh, the, we are we're looking at investors are, are starting to have a rethink about a broad exposure to uh, to commodities, and and uh, it's it's also uh, what we're seeing re- being reflected in some of the action on the under the underlying. What's interesting at actually at the same time is that there has been actually quite a lot of selling in in Brent. I think there's probably some profit taking coming in. We've we've been under uh, we've been under some some pressure for a while. We just suddenly had a, a big jump within the last months and a half. So the initial 
initial reaction from investors is is probably to take some to take some profit, and that's why the that's why we're seeing that uh, being being lowered. And then generally, as we talked about yesterday, gold is out of favor right now for from ETF investors. Stock market has been behaving very well. Still a firm belief in the market that the central bank, the FOMC, and others will be successful in bringing inflation under control before growth uh, falls off a cliff or growth slows to the point where they have to think think uh, or change the uh, change the focus. And uh, that's also, for now, reducing the exposure there. And that basically means, again, if we do see a change in sentiment uh, to a more favorable change, then then there's obviously a market that is underinvested at this point. So, again, very much worth keeping in mind. But generally, in the commodity space, we're focusing on, on China. We had the CPI and PPI out last, uh, last night, overnight, uh, both uh, showing... Moving into negative uh, territory, um, so basically deflation has uh, has arrived to the Chinese economy, and, uh, and and again it just raises the question: what on, the, are, on the on the headline, not on the headline, not on the call. True, uh, but it still raises the question: what are they? What 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 are the authorities going to do about uh, handling handling these lower prices and and also uh, obviously uh, a debt uh, a debt mountain at the same time. So uh, Mark is still looking for some kind of input uh, from the Chinese government in the coming months and that, that helped uh, lift uh, something like copper yesterday after after an initial sell-off uh, following that uh, the very weak uh, trade data we had. All right. And uh, did you talk about crude? Yeah, we should we should look at uh, crude. Crude oil is obviously constantly on in, in the top uh, top tier of, of the most traded uh, products uh, around the world. And uh, we've, we've seen this crude market uh, recover, as I mentioned, very strongly uh, since the announcement from OPEC, especially Saudi Arabia, that they will make a production cut of 1 million barrels that has now been extended to last for at least three months. And uh, that is underpinning prices. At the same time, uh, demand is not really showing any any signs of weakness yet. Yes, we have uh, seen the Chinese uh, uh, imports slow quite dramatically last month, but overall demand remains fairly robust. As I, as I highlighted uh, in, in one of my recent tweets, that has been led by the diesel market, where we at one point, uh, where we're currently seeing diesel prices trading above $120 crude oil equivalents. So uh, that's that's also adding, I would say, to the to the input uh, input pressure and inflation story. Today we focus on the uh, weekly inventory report. API last night reported a quite a decent build in crude stocks. That was following a massive drop last week, so uh, quite a volatile. Uh, numbers uh, at this time, but uh, what we're seeing in, in the uh, general trends is that crude oil uh, inventories are falling in line with the seasonal averages, and we have, and also that uh, we have quite quite weak inventory levels both of gasoline and distillates. So um, that will create some some volatility that later today ahead of uh, monthly oil market reports on Thursday from OPEC and on Friday from the IEA. All right, let's get back to equities. A couple of stories. We mentioned yesterday the Italian banking situation. Uh, Unicredit and uh, Intesa San Paolo were down 6% yesterday. On this surprise extra tax on Italian banks by the Maloney government was put into that this new tax package. And, um, well, it was used. Uh, they said that the tax revenue was going to be used for subsidizing new home buyers in, in Italy, which are struggling to get in with these new or higher rates. So they wanted to divert some of that extra profit from the rise in interest rate levels to help those that are cannot get into the home market because of those high interest rates. So a little bit of a circular uh, thing going on right there. But um, but it was a big blow to the Italian banks, and obviously you cannot have uh, that. I mean, you want to have stability, and, and banks are naturally an extension of the government's credit function. So the Italian government has been out this morning uh, 
clarifying the rules, saying that the um, the extra tax on those banks uh, cannot exceed 0.1% of the assets of the bank. And um, that has so far uh, led to a rebound in some of these Italian banking stocks. So that's, uh, that's good. But the big story we had yesterday, and we have to talk about it today, I'll be writing uh, a note on it. So earlier this year, I, I wrote two different uh, game changer pieces uh, in the equity market. And one of them, Fortunately, maybe I had uh, the foresight of the future, who knows? I, I wrote about Novo Nordisk and the weight loss uh, drug they have, uh, Vigovia, and I showed with some numbers how explosive this growth rate is, probably the, the biggest uh, drug introduction uh, ever in history. Um, and um, <clears throat> at yesterday, the stock was up 17% because trial data showed they, they were, had followed a, a trial group, 17,000 people, since 2018, and it showed that uh, the people above... 45 years uh, of age, had a 20% reduction in heart risk relative to the control group. So that is uh, you know another very positive thing for, for this drug, Vigovi, which is in a very high demand because of its uh, weight loss capabilities. And But there have been a lot of discussion where the health insurers want to put Vigovi under the, the coverage. It's a very expensive drug, and so far they've been very reluctant. But if it also counts the heart risk, um, probably that conversation is going to change, and it will be under health insurance coverage in the U.S. And that's the case. It will broaden out the affordability and the accessibility for a lot of people for this drug. So um, that's why the market is getting really excited. And on slide eight, you can see the five-year weekly share price of Novo Nordisk. That is just an incredible chart there. And Novo Nordisk is now only a few inches away from uh, dethrowing uh, LVMH from the throne of being the most valuable company in Europe. And <clears throat> if that happens, I think we have a trifecta there here in Europe of three crown jewels. So ASML on the uh, lithography machines used for highly advanced uh, semiconductor chips, including AI chips. That's obviously a very important company in Europe. And then LVMH, the king in the global luxury industry. And now Lo- Novo Nord is go- looking to be- potentially become the king of the global healthcare sector. So a couple of few things going on here in in Europe on the positive side. We don't have a lot of technology companies, that's for the US, but certainly Europe is shining in other ways. And then Vestas, we've talked about Siemens Energy recently, a lot of the turbulence in the the global uh, wind turbine industry, a lot of offshore projects right now are being uh, uh, postponed. Um, renegotiated a lot of these projects they are um, they done with a, a you know a negotiated uh, take rate on electricity prices uh, that's something you discuss with the government and then you can sort of from that um, from that sell rate on electricity you can you can calculate your cash flows based on all the numbers you get from from the wind turbine makers and what it costs to, to set up these offshore uh, uh, wind, uh, wind farms but with the steel prices higher and generally commodity prices going higher it has been come, uh, vastly more costly to do these offshore wind power projects, and with the uh, with the old negotiated electricity prices, the, the projects don't make any sense any longer. So there's a lot of lot of things going on in this wind turbine industry, and Siemens Energy have uh, issues with their latest uh, design, which is impacting four percent of the installed fleet. Um, uh, rotor blades and other things going uh, going uh, havoc there. And and Vestas this morning, they're reaffirming their revenue and their operating margin outlook, but they're still seeing. A lot of disruption in the supply chain in the second half of the year. The, I think the market is sighing a relief here. They're sending up the shares almost two percent, but you know when you look at the, what they're guiding, it you know this industry is still in uh, still in, in in trouble to some extent. If we look at the uh, the earnings watch slide nine, <clears throat> the big uh, the big earnings focus here in U- in the U.S. will be Walt Disney. They will be reporting after the market some of the technology interested. Um, 
clients of Saxo will be looking at Trade Desk, a very interesting technology company in the automated and online uh, advertising industry. Illumina, one of the biggest uh, cell sequencing uh, machine makers and um, really key for the whole cancer uh, cancer industry in terms of uh, research, etc. Um, they recently got the biggest fine in the EU's history because of their integration of their Grail acquisition before the EU approved the acquisition. So they got almost a $500 million uh, dollar fine there, which is a pretty considerable amount. I think it was 10% of their uh, their revenue. So they they hopefully, investors are hoping for some good news from, from Illumina. So they will be report, I think, um, also after the markets uh, close. And then Ole, as you said to me before we went into the podcast, what a, a dry and boring macro calendar. Yeah, if you're not uh, focusing on the energy market, there's not really much to uh, to go for. So uh, I think we just basically have to say this day has to... Uh, Basically, has to come to an end so we can focus on the CPI, uh, US CPI tomorrow, and how the market responds to that. And obviously, we are into August, which uh, uh, not for us in Scandinavia, we, we we are returning to work, but for many other many many other places, places around the northern hemisphere, it's the time of year where people are going away on holidays, so that the market activity is relatively low as well at this time. Yeah, and as this uh, trading session has to end as fast as possible, so we can get to the inflation report. I think this podcast has to end as fast as possible. So on that note. We will say thank you for listening and uh, Ulla and I will be back uh, tomorrow with a new edition of the Saxo Market Call podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>